Hello everyone, this is David Startouch. Welcome to Positive Talk. Today's topic is going to be about the Thrive Model again. We're going to continue on starting at Signpost 2. In the previous seven episodes, we finished the first signpost. And I would like to give some suggestions if you're joining us for the first time about how to proceed. Initially, I would have said you should start at the beginning and move straight through. And I've had a little bit of a change of heart as I've reflected. You can do this work a lot of different ways. It's important to when you're actually going through and attempting to apply this to do it in order, at least for the initial parts, because you're going to build some safety nets in there and help make it a safer process for you. However, if you want to just continue on and pick up wherever you are for whatever episode you just happen to come across, that's okay. What I would suggest is that you listen once just for content and just kind of get that overview, fill it out. And then when you're ready, listen again and take notes. So uh, that's one way I would do it. Another way, um, as I suggested in the first signpost, is to, as you're doing this, you can take notes. And then if you need to take a break, you just write down the time, pause the audio or video if you're listening on the YouTube podcast, and then you can just return to it when you're ready. The key thing is to do the work in order. Uh, that way you've got uh, all the safety nets. Now, there are some things in here you will find happen in different times of your life. They just bounce around a little bit, and that's okay. That's a little bit just how the process works. Uh, when we're going through the signpost, though, it just helps to kind of build the structure. So we're going to get started now. This is from the book, What Doesn't Kill Us. The New Psychology of Post-Traumatic Growth by Stefan Joseph. And actually, before we get started, I'll go over my credentials briefly, uh, just so you know who I am. I am a PhD candidate in psychology. Uh, my concentration's in philosophy and cognitive neuroscience and also psychological research methods. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Colorado, and I want to, again, to reiterate, this is not therapy. This is a self-help guided walkthrough through the self-help section of What Doesn't Kill Us. Uh, Dr. Stephen Joseph is one of the leading researchers in post-traumatic growth. His uh, focus is on positive psychology and a little bit of existentialism and humanism. And most importantly, with post-traumatic growth, it is a, um, a positive and applied application uh, to deal with trauma. And it is one of the most effective and revolutionary books that I've ever found. Post-traumatic growth was something that I stumbled across during my research for my PhD when I was trying to find a way to get my program that I'd previously created out there and just find a little more um, psychological support and research to make it a better program. And then I stumbled across this. Now we're using the Thrive Model or going over the Thrive Bundle. That's what Stefan Joseph is talking about in the last third of this book. And the reason why I'm reading this to you, my voice and giving you my expertise and whatnot, is because when people have PTSD and trauma, it can be sometimes difficult to read. I know when I was going through um, my recovery, I really had a tough time sitting and reading the book. So I would definitely encourage you to purchase this book and you can follow along. You will occasionally see where I mess up on the word or two, but otherwise it's verbatim. Okay, um, I'm also a certified professional coach uh, and I used to, t I was a professional yoga teacher in Washington, D.C. for three years. Now, currently I am working uh, in the ER. I do crisis work and I'm trained in disaster mental health. Uh, I work in the ER helping people who tend to be in severe uh, mental 
emotional distress when we help them get results. Uh, well, sorry, get help and results, we'd hope, but get help. Uh, usually they're in a place where they need some guidance, uh, either some advanced professional help. So if at any time you feel yourself in distress uh, where you do not feel safe, please know you can always go to the emergency, your local emergency room or call 911 and um, they'll help you get there. Another option is if you're ever suicidal, call the crisis hotline. And we've got, uh, if you go to survivortohero.com under our direct services, I have a little thing at the bottom there which has a list of the suicide hotlines, uh, both nationally and in uh, Colorado. So with that said, there's also crisis clinics, and I would just advise you if you're struggling or want to do this work and go really deep, to use a therapist. One of the things the therapist will help you do is go into the past and safely unpack things. Uh, because when we're doing trauma work, if you haven't don't have that resource and support, it can actually destabilize you. So we wanna make sure that is there. Now with coaching models like this, the self-help, it will walk you through it. And I'm talking about that, uh, going a little more in depth on that today, because with Signpost 2, we are harvesting hope. Let's get started. Signpost 2, Harvesting Hope. In order to thrive, people need to be able to nurture hope within themselves. Hope can be the spark for change. All psychotherapists know that no matter what else is going on, if a client feels hopeless, change will be very difficult to come by. Research has shown that hopeful children, adolescents, and adults do better in school and athletics, are in better health, have better problem-solving skills, and are better adjusted psychologically. As you take control of your thinking habits, you will be switching your approach from brooding to reflective. Yet trauma can often leave people feeling hopeless. It can be hard to get going in the mornings, to sustain energy throughout the day, and to think about f the future in anything but pessimistic ways. You might not be able to immediately reverse how you feel, but don't worry about that. What you can do now is to decide that you would like to feel more hopeful. This will happen if you take some time to actively practice the exercises below. The first exercise is to don't underestimate the power of hope. Hope is the secret ingredient of psychotherapy. If you possess hope that the future will bring new possibilities, you are already on the road to change. Hope is your motivator. After being diagnosed with a brain tumor in 2008, and told he was about to die, Edward Kennedy wrote, I am a realist, and I have heard bad news in my life. I don't expect or need to be treated with kick gloves, but I do believe in hope, and I believe that approaching adversity with a positive attitude at least gives you a chance for success. How, uh, approaching it in a defeatist attitude predestines the outcome of defeat. Exercise 2 Remember, to the be hopeful does not mean that you don't care. This is important for those who have lost a loved one. Be reassured that although positive change is possible and that the goal is to encourage you to find hope, that does not mean that you have to forget about what happened. Often, a barrier to hope is the belief that to be hopeful for oneself is to diminish the memories of the past and of our loved ones. John, who lost his teenage daughter, Laura, says that he would never want to forget about her and that the emotional pain he feels is meaningful to him. In that sense, it's important for him to feel as he does. But he also realizes that Lara would want him to get on with his life. Being hopeful does not mean that you don't care. 
It doesn't mean that you don't care about what happened or that you love those that you've lost any less. If you have lost someone close to you, it can indeed be hard to be hopeful about the future. That pain is understandable, but you can broaden your focus by exploring the deeper meanings of your loss. It might be helpful to write a letter to the person that you've lost. Here's an example. Dear Laura, It is a year now since we said goodbye, and it will soon be Christmas, and I miss you more than words can say. It is hard for me to look into the future and imagine life. When I do, I think of you and all the things that were to happen in your life. I imagine us together for the first time visiting New York and all the shops you wanted to see, your graduation, all the birthdays and Christmases yet to come. I feel empty without you, but I feel you will always be around. I want you to know I love you and I always will. I have felt so ashamed of myself when I forget even for a second, or when I smile at something on the television. I know you would not want that for me, not want me to feel this way, and as I write this, I can hear your voice saying to me, Dad, I want you to live your life. Be inspired. Look for stories of personal growth. As we saw in Chapter 6, Michael Patterson and yes, you haven't read chapter six, so we're just going to go with this. Michael Patterson found Douglas Batter's life story inspirational and helpful to him to find strength to overcome the loss of his arms. Look for stories that inspire you, perhaps among the following list of titles. Michael J. Fox, his book, Always Looking Up. Edward M. Kennedy, True Compass, a memoir. Nelson Mandela, A Long Walk to Freedom. Thomas Bergenthal, A Lucky Child, A Memoir Surviving Auschwitz as a Young Boy. I may have butchered his last name. Terry Waite, Taken on Trust. Victor Frankel, Man's Search for Meaning. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler, Life Life Lessons, How Mortality Can Teach Us About Life and Living. Leon Greenman, an Englishman in Auschwitz. Now, I would like to bring your attention back to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler. Life lessons on how mortality can teach us about life and living. If you've ever heard about the five stages of grief, that is uh, where you first are in denial. No, this is not happening. Bargaining. Uh, Maybe I can change this. Then, uh, let's see, anger. Then depression and then acceptance. That is from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler's model. People do move through those in different stages. Um, You can see this often when, uh, in all forms of loss though, like losing a job, losing a loved one, um, being told that you have a medical illness. All levels of shock can take you through those stages in different ways, but we tend to go through all of them. And now to continue on. Indeed, being hopeful will allow you to summon enough mental energy to set your sights on a more optimistic future and identify pathways to achieve your goals. Hope is fueled by three ways of thinking, goal setting, agency thinking, and pathways thinking. The first, let's talk about that, goal setting. Trauma survivors need to have goals to aim for. 
There are significant goals such as obtaining one's college degree or getting promoted at work, maybe opening a business, becoming a writer, and so on. And there are mundane goals such as taking the car to the workshop for yearly service or picking up the dry cleaning. Both kind of goals fuel hope. And now we'll talk about agency thinking. Number two, trauma survivors need to have a sense of personal agency that gives them the motivation to move toward their goals. In short, they need to be able to both initiate and sustain the motivation. Number three, pathways thinking. Trauma survivors need to know what pathways to take to get to their goals, the routes to take, and what obstacles will stand in the way, and how to get around those obstacles. They also need to develop strategies to reach their goals. So three of those ways of thinking, just to recap, there's goal setting, agency thinking, and pathway setting. Again, goal setting can be anything. This is just me talking to you right now. Goal setting can be uh, setting your car, you know, doing laundry or uh, taking care of your car, doing laundry, things like that. Um, it can be applying for college. It can be long-term or short-term goals. It could be daily life. It can be big life-altering life path decisions. Agency thinking is just having this sense of personal agency motivation to get those things done. So to be able to, um, to initiate it, but also finish. In a way, execution is everything. Pathways thinking. Trauma survivors also have to know that they can get to their goals. So part of that is setting sustainable goals. Working with a coach can be very helpful or a therapist. But then also seeking mentors and finding ways to, um, to follow up with that. So I just wanted to caveat that, on that because I felt it was a little incomplete. All right. Begin to practice hope. To practice hope, you need to learn to break your long-range goals into sub-goals. As they're saying, every journey begins with a single step. But of course, not everything can be changed in one step. Thus, it is important to concentrate on the first sub-goal. Patricia, for example, was too frightened to leave her house. It was too big a step for her. When she realized that, she initiated a smaller step of just going into the garden. As she built her confidence, she was able to begin thinking about a day trip into the city. She mentally rehearsed this in advance. Walking to the train station, buying the ticket, sitting on the train, planning what galleries she would visit when she got there. She also made a plan for what she would do if she ran into difficulties. Specifically, a friend in the city who had offered, if necessary, to jump in a taxi and be with her in 15 minutes. What helped Patricia was realizing that she couldn't reach all her big goals at once. Pa Patricia developed a sense of agency by learning to talk to herself in a positive way. I can do this. In much the same way children use self-talk when they're learning new skills, we can benefit, uh, benefit by deliberately talking to ourselves. For example, when learning to drive, many of us say to ourselves, look into the rearview mirror, put the car into gear, check the mirror again and so on. By practicing self-talk, you can actually develop new skills. To explore your capacity for hope, think about a time in your past when you set out yourself a goal. Take 10 minutes to write, write in your notebook about how you pursued your goal, exploring the pathways and agency involved. Ask yourself questions. How did I get motivated? How did I keep my motivation going? What are the strategies that I use to get there? How did I know I was making progress? You may find it even helpful to repeat this exercise a few times. 
As you review your stories, stories, you will realize that you already possess the resources necessary to cope with the obstacle. Adversity often awakens strengths and abilities that were not recognized before. But most importantly, you are learning to use the language of hope by identifying your goals, your pathways, and your sources of personal agency. Don't expect to immediately find the answers to all your questions. Remember, you are learning the new skill and thinking hopefully, and this takes time. The next section. Use the miracle question. Sometimes people find it difficult to focus on what their goals actually are. One exercise therapists sometimes use is called the miracle question. Imagine that when you go to sleep tonight, a miracle happened, and you wake up tomorrow morning, and things are different in a good way. But since you were asleep, you don't know that the miracles happened until you wake up tomorrow. Next, imagine that you look back on the day. What will have changed? So we're looking back all the way to today. So the miracle happened, and then you look back to today. What will have changed? And how will you feel that is different from the way you feel today? Spending some time thinking through your answers will help you clarify your goals. Having done that, you can then think more clearly about what you might want to do to reach those goals. A matter of figuring out the pathways and agency you need to get there. Alright, the next section. Use your social support. Relationships can foster hope. Indeed, developing hope almost always occurs within the context of social relationships. And hope begets more hope. Hopeful family relationships and friendships serve as hope-enhancing agents. You can benefit from evaluating which relationships help you feel more hopeful and which ones drain your energy. Associate with individuals who are supportive of your goal pursuits, who challenge you to pursue your goals, and who encourage you to overcome barriers. The next section. Look to the future. As a prisoner in Nazi death camps, Viktor Frankl fell to the ground one day, weak and ill from hunger. A guard shouted at him to rise, but he was unable to do so. The guard began to beat him. While lying there, Frankl imagined himself as if it were several years later. He was standing at a lectern in post-war Vienna, giving a talk on the psychology of death camps. It was a brilliant talk, one in which he imagined describing himself lying on the ground, being beaten, struggling to find the strength to get up. And as he described this to his imaginary future audience, he also imagined standing up and beginning to walk. Then, in real life, he stood up and walked away from the guard. Even in the darkest moments, it is possible to find hope. And it is hope that allows us to begin to connect in our minds our present situation with a future in which we have overcome adversity. What gave Viktor Frankl the strength to go on was not just that he could visualize himself giving the lecture, but also this was something to live for. Do you have a vision for your future? What do you imagine you'll be doing in one year? Five years? You might struggle to answer these questions, think that, thinking that all you want is for the current situation to end, but it is useful to visualize what you do want the future to look like. Begin to make it concrete. 
Visualize what you enjoy doing. What makes your heart lift? How do you contribute in some way to others? What would give you a sense of purpose? In the process, you might find yourself wrestling with the big questions of life and seeking out understandings of a more spiritual nature. And that is the end of Signpost 2. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I look forward to talking with you next week. These podcasts are available on every platform, Google Play, iTunes. Just head to SurvivorToHero.com and subscribe to the one that's best for you. Namaste.